Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Welcome to the show, everybody. Seth and Sean Sports Radio on Blog Talk Radio, backsportspage.com. Seth Kane and Sean Palmer here, and you guys are all over the world over there. So this week in sports, look, we started last week's show talking about how much the lottery was not in the favor of the Knicks. And we gave it a 14% chance because that's what everybody else and that's what the statisticians had the Knicks getting the first pick in the draft. And again, they didn't. Again, yep. They actually beat the odds by getting the third pick in the draft because the odds stated that they had something like a 58% chance of getting the fourth pick. So they got the third pick and beat the odds. The Pelicans, who have been looking to trade the best player that they have, Anthony Davis, wind up with the number one pick. An interesting scenario, let me tell you. Because here I am. Look, these days have been exhausting. Uh, not Seth came as exhausting with two children, but starting a new job in a new city, everything's been kind of tiring. So I have been going to bed quite early, generally a little bit after this show. Yes, I know you can call me the lazy guy but or the sorry, sorry guy, but that's just where I am right now. But at the same time, here I am going to bed at around 7.30, 8 o'clock, and the draft starts at 8.30. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to miss the draft. I really don't care because, you know what, Knicks aren't going to get the number one pick in the draft anyway. So here we are. And, of course, going to bed at 7.30 last Tuesday night, I wake up at exactly 8.45, right in time to watch the lottery. And as the picks go on, the Lakers selection comes up, and they are in the top three, or top, they're in the top four, excuse me. So I'm like, all right, of course, this is rigged a little bit to the Lakers now. As they keep going on, you realize that the Hawks, who have two picks in the first round, are on the clock, and then they get their picks. And then the four selections that are left for the first four are the Knicks, the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, who, if they were out of the, of the eight, would have given their pick to the Celtics. And the Celtics were looking to give their pick – the Grizzlies were looking to give their pick to the Celtics because they are entering a rebuild. And so you're in, the, you're in the grasp of a whole lot going on with regards to the Grizzlies aren't going to give their pick to the Celtics. The Lakers have a chance for a top four pick. The Knicks have a chance for a top four pick. And there are the Pelicans just staring at And for about 10 minutes, if you look – Look, I'm watching this on my phone. So if you're looking at the graphics, you're thinking that, man, this could actually happen. Anthony Davis could be with Zion Williamson, and it may actually work out for New Orleans, except for the fact that me, in my very, very tired state, have confused it. I don't think the Pelicans have that pick. I think it's the Hawks. So I think my now adopted hometown of Atlanta is might have the number one pick in the draft. And the picks go off. The Lakers get the fourth pick. Whew. Gotta tell you. As a Knicks fan I was pretty relieved to see that. And the Knicks get the third pick. And I'm like, eh. all right, well one of the top three. That means you're getting Barrett Morant 
or Zion, in all likelihood you're getting Barrett. And then you have the second and first pick, and the second pick comes up the Grizzlies, and the first pick comes up with what I think is the Atlanta Hawks. And then, all of a sudden, I see an image of David Griffin on the screen. Why would David Griffin be on the screen if it's the Atlanta Hawks? Oh, well, I messed that one up. That's not the Atlanta Hawks. That's the New Orleans Pelicans. So the Pelicans had the first pick in the draft, followed by the Grizzlies, the Knicks, and the Lakers. And I can't say I'm surprised. I was a little disappointed. Look, as a Knicks fan, you are going to be disappointed when you don't get that first pick and you basically have tanked the entire year to get the first pick. And we're waiting on Seth Payments to call in. But if you'd like to call in, it's 760-283-0846. 760-283-0846. Feel free to do such. And as a Knicks fan, you basically are saying, well, you know, you tanked the whole year, and here we are. Here we are with tanking obviously not working. So can you make the claim at this point that finally tanking does not work, and you're going to see teams that are just not going to tank anymore, in my opinion. I think tanking is done in the NBA. You had the Knicks tank. You had the Suns tank. You had the Cavs tank. Look, all of these teams you could say were, quote, playing. But they weren't playing. They wanted a high draft pick. They certainly wanted Zion Williamson. And here we are with none of those top three teams, none of the teams that got 14% of 14% 14% chance of getting that first pick. None of them got it. New Orleans jumped. Vancouver jumped. And here we are with New Orleans, Vancouver, and the Knicks in one, two, three. And we will have our NBA draft preview in June at some point, late June. But in some order, the top three, in my opinion, are going to be Zion, Morant, Jay Morant, and then R.J. Barrett. And Seth Kamins, we we were just talking about the lunacy and of myself in that last week while watching the lottery, I actually confused the Atlanta Hawks logo with that in the New Orleans Pelicans. So when New Orleans won and David Griffin rose up and started cheering and Alvin Gentry rose up and started cheering, I was wondering why? They're not the coach of the Hawks. Why would they be the ones to be cheering? And then I got a little taste of my own medicine in that, you know what? It wasn't the Hawks. It was the Pelicans. Do you think this has any bearing on Anthony Smith, Anthony Davis, and whether he stays or goes? Um, I think he's in a weird spot. Uh, ah, the fun of hosting the show from home versus on the road. Um, because it looks more let's look at it practically. The Lakers are a complete cluster or, or a disaster. Accentuated even more by Magic Johnson's uh sellout interview last night yesterday on first take. Which may have been the most interesting first take thing first take has ever done. Um so who exactly are you trading them to? Because if Kyrie's gone the Celtics aren't gonna be interested. If the Lakers aren't interested, the Celtics aren't interested Barrett, Knox, you know, Dennis Smith and two first-round picks. Yeah. Um, it opens up. Well, let's take, let's, take away, let's take away the applicable trades. Let's take away the trades as they, as they could be constituted. Do you think this has any bearing on whether Anthony Davis stays in New Orleans? Just the fact that Zion is there. Not necessarily that the trades aren't. Do you think that do you think that he can be sold on New Orleans? Yeah, I do. Um, whether he will or not, obviously, is a different matter. But you look at what's going on. Houston is old. Portland is 
a nice team, but not a team to be terrified of. Golden State, assuming Durant leaves, and yes, Golden State has been magnificent. You know, kind of going back to the uh, the 73 win team in the last two weeks. But if he if he plays with Williamson, that team is certainly a threat to go to the conference finals. As a triad of two of them plus two holidays, if there's any triad, you know, east of, east of San Francisco. Should it be a reason for this study? Yeah. Is it going to be? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you on that. I, 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 can't, I can't have an answer for you on that. But in my mind, right. And what? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have the uh, draft preview at the end of June as the draft does come on. Um, did you watch the draft, or were you just like, "Yeah, no big deal"? No, just I curious. was working. Uh, watch the lottery. Just curious. So I, I, I was working. It was my first late night post uh, April fifteenth. So I had the game on. As you know, I have a nice flat screen in my in my office. So I had the lottery on, um, and actually got a te- got an IM from the occasional listener, Mike Wagner, uh, saying Phoenix had won. Uh, and the Knicks got fifth. This was leaked on CBS. He sent me a picture of this as a CBS Sports.com leak. Obviously, the leak was false. Whatever got sent it was fake. And as much as I hate to use the, word, the verbiage fake news, because it's certainly taken on a whole new meaning over the last two years, um, in this case, it proved to be prophetic. Um, I watched it because it was preceding Golden State Portland. And I wanted to see if uh, Dan Gilbert's son would actually win for a fourth time. I was a little curious. And I wanted to see if the Knicks were going to lose because, I'll be honest, I have never seen such hyperbole and hoopla about something that had a 15% chance of happening and what was going on in, our, in the tri-state area regarding this. This was ridiculous. I talked to you about well, this. I thought this was ridiculous. Yeah, well, we discussed this last week. I, I believe, and I said this a little bit earlier while we were waiting for you, I think tanking is dead in the NBA. I think it's dead. I don't think I don't think you'll see. There's really look. There is obviously some benefit to being the last team or last three teams, right? It's fourteen percent, but the fourth team is twelve point five. You're gaining a one point five percent chance being the last place team, as opposed to being the fourth place, fourth last place team. I don't think you're going to see tanking, certainly not in the way that Philadelphia ever did. I don't think you'll ever see that again. And I think this year's lottery proved prophetic that tanking just won't exist anymore in the NBA. I think the way that they flatten the odds to these teams will uh, be a disincentive to doing it. Because I think fans just don't come out to see these teams when they tank. And you're not going to build your team the same way, say, the way Philadelphia did with tanking. It's just not there anymore. No, it's not. And I would like to think that you're right, because you're not going to tank a season. You're you're not going to tank for a 2% increase in odds. So, which is a good thing. And basically, at the end of the day, Adam Silver wins again. I mean, if if any sport would, uh, if there's one commissioner that you would want in any sport, it's got to be Adam Silver, right? I mean, I take Adam Silver over Rob Manford, over Roger Goodell. Now, granted, it's a different sport. I get it. He may have a little bit more power, but there's been no more success. If the NFL could get Adam Silver for their commissioner job. They should pay through the nose, $50 million, $60 million. It shouldn't matter how much money they would pay because he has been able to push through some things that it seems like Roger Goodell just hasn't been able to do. Yeah, you guys have to remember when Adam Silver came in, immediately – you got to speak a little louder. I have this all the way Sorry. pumped to the top, and I can barely hear you. Apologies. Okay. When Adam Silver came in, he was ready for us into, into a decision which would 
it's okay. I hope the radio show Jake talks behind it. It's okay. We're used to it. Um, yeah, these are mama's glasses. He was the first month he was thrust into the Donald Sterling situation. So once he made the decision to ban Sterling, he already had credibility from the players, which Goodell hasn't had in 15 years, and Bettman probably hasn't had in 30. And baseball, I mean, Manfred is honestly, I don't know enough about what he's done, to be honest, in the last two years or three years, to gain trust with the players. So, I mean, he, he seems to have made a lot of right decisions. Okay, I Sorry, Jake, still can't hear a word you're saying. I went off course. I apologize. So, so, yeah, I think that if, if baseball or basketball really wanted to put forth a lot of money, they would do it. But I think the NBA would probably match that offer anyway. I think they realize the kind of commissioner that has the foresight that Adam Silver does. And then two things happened this week both to my teams, and I know that Seth probably has to get off at the top of the hour, so I will I will save my Jets mantra, which <laughs> it seems like sports news always happens five minutes after the show occurs, and uh, I'll save my Jets uh, whatever you want to call it, soliloquy, diatribe, or anything else for the top of the hour when Seth leaves. But the Mets have been horrendous, the Knicks have been horrendous, the Jets have been horrendous, the Islanders, thank God, have done something correctly. But we, we're getting into the, into the summer months. We have the NBA finals still to go and the NHL finals to go. And obviously you must have been surprised, based on your prediction, of how easily the Golden State Warriors handled the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, yes and no. I mean, they won in four games, but three of those games were – Pretty damn close. Um, it was a fun series to watch. Myron Leonard scoring 32 last night. Stephen Curry being Stephen Curry of 2015-2016. I mean, look, they're not better without Durant. It's a silly conversation. But they are a lot more fun to watch. And that team, they'll beat Milwaukee or Toronto, whoever it is. And they'll go down as one of the two greatest dynasties probably. Jeff, all I can't time hear you. Day. Really? You can't hear me? Yeah. Um, nope. When okay. when you when you perked up, I could hear you, but I have the volume all the way up on the on my phone it, with headphones in. I will, and all I hear yeah. is you mumbling. Okay, I will try harder. When they this has been surprisingly not surprising. This has been a very fun series to watch. Can you hear me now, or, or, or am I still a little messy? The second part I can hear better than the first part. Maybe you're just talking too close into the phone. I don't know. I can't. I can't determine it. But okay, so we got that. The, that the series is fun to watch. Lilliard is a prime time player. The one thing I always have an issue with, and I'm looking at these super max contracts, is that in 2021, is Damon Lilliard or any player for that matter? I'm looking at these contracts and seeing 50 million dollars. $50 million for one player. Like, you have to understand, that's one half of the Miami Marlins' whole payroll going to one player. How How is this bubble sustainable for the players? Not for the players, for the owners or the players. It's not. And there's going to be a massive strike at some point to, to, to deal with it. You can't play players at $40 million a year consistently. And a guy like Lillard, who is you know, a borderline first-team All-NBA player, top-15 player in the league, but has never led a team to the NBA Finals, never won a championship, never won an MVP. How do you pay someone at that level, that amount of money? You can't. You know, you just can't. And where does that leave us 10 years from now? We're going to have a first, 60, first million dollar game player? This isn't the NFL. You got to eat the game. So it's it's not sustainable. Look, look, there will be a monster strike at some point to deal with this because at some point, you know, the rev look the revenues have been sensational in the NBA for years due to the international expansion, but 
domestic and domestically it's done very well because we had guys like Durant, LeBron, and Stephen, and all the and Harden, who have um, you know, such enormous names both within and outside the sports realm. But it only hits a certain point, and then it's, then you can't go any further. And I don't know when, where that point will be, but I'm assuming $50 million for a non-top five player in the league is probably just about that point. Yeah, the, I mean, right now the luxury tax is at $140 million for the NBA. And if you're looking at a guy that's earning $35, $40 million, and you have two of them, look, the, the players are going to argue, you know what, the owners are making this their business. They can sign these guys or not sign these guys to these numbers. And then they're going to pay the luxury tax on top of it. Remember what the, what the Nets did four or five years, more than that at this point. I think it was the first Garnet, first Garnet. Pierce year, where they had almost as many how much money in luxury taxes as they did in salary. I think they doubled their salary just based on taxes. But it was it's a sustainable notion if they are raising the revenues every year. But the question is, when does when does the balloon pop, right? I mean, at some point it just can't happen. you can't continue raising revenues. There's just oh, there is so much money to be had, but only so much money to be had. Even in the NHL, sorry, in the NFL, which is much more popular than the NBA, you're still getting only ten million dollar raises every year in the cap, but you're feeding 58 people. Here you're feeding only 14 or 15. It just doesn't make any sense. At, at least to me, I think the bubble is going to come, and it's going to come hard. And the funny thing is, the players are set. The players have always said, if you believe that this is a problem, then get rid of the max contract. Just get rid of it. Let people pay what they want to pay, which, as long as you're within the salary cap. So you'll have like LeBron earning a hundred million, but you only have the rest of the team earning forty. And that's basically what you have in the NFL, right? You have no max contract, but you have the rookie quarterbacks are the ones when they have rookie contracts are the ones that are making the NFL playoffs or the Super Bowl, unless your name is Tom Brady, in which you have a wife that's basically bringing the, the bigger breadwinner. If that's even possible, that you can be the bigger breadwinner than the, what is it, four-time NFL MVP of the Super Bowl, or five. I don't know how many MVPs he's got in the Super Bowl. But I'll tell you one thing, it's far too much for me. But, yeah, I mean, that's where we are at this point in the NBA. So, 2-1 with the Bucks beating the, beating the Raptors right now. You predicted that the Raptors are going to lose to the Bucks anyway. Do you see there being, and we'll talk more about this next week as we get into the NBA Finals. But do the Bucks, the way that the Bucks have been playing, and the, take the way that Golden State has been playing, do you see anybody being able to beat Golden State the way that they are? No. No. I'll be honest. I don't think there's a team. I don't know if there's ever been a team that could be, if this team was fully healthy, that could be Golden State. I this team can't do it. Nope. I mean, look, Milwaukee isn't the team. They're better. It's a little confusing to me how that team could play so badly on game three where your MVP scores 14, your second and third best players combined for six for 32 from the floor and on the road, you still go into double overtime against a legitimate 58 win team. But Toronto's Toronto's depth is not, is not what it's been in prior years. They're just not as deep. Grand Fleet's not been good. Gasol's been terrible. Lowry's been decent, but it's really been a one in the system has just not been what he was in the regular season. It's been for all intents and purposes a one man show. And no one in they're not beating Milwaukee's not beating Toronto's not gonna beat them with a face on one or long. It's just not gonna happen. Um I do think Toronto wins tonight. I think it'll go I think it'll go six I think I said six or seven, I'll stick to that. Um I do think if Milwaukee wins tonight though, we're done in five. Well let me go a second way for you. So we have 
a Golden State team that's playing as well as probably anybody has ever played. And they're without probably a top five player in history. Are they a better team without Durant? No. But what happens is you have guys, the players, people who are the key players for them play at a different level because you don't have Durant to bail them out. It's insane to think that you could be a better team without the best player in the world. It makes no sense. Um, But they have been, I mean, Curry has been reverted back to 2016. Thompson's green has been since base. And there's and their bench guy that Rooney was some shots to Burko. You know, if you're missing top three center in the league and probably the top player in the league in Durant. So I don't think they're better. I just don't know how you can change him you know Kevin Durant for Harrison Barnes and and be a better team. But does he? You know, they've they've gone five and zero, six and zero without him. It says something. And I think it also shows how unselfish Curry is that he's really been able to take a step back the last couple of years for the betterment of the team to win two relatively easy championships in the third, fourth conference. So I saw something on Facebook where you posted your top five players or other people posted their top five players and you made a case that you can't put Durant in the top three, I believe, or even five because of the team that he's on. And I found that interesting because that goes to your LeBron James argument a little bit and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. How does, how does Stephen Curry get to be on that? But Durant can't be. Well, first of all, Durant, I had, I had Durant number three. What I said is he couldn't be my number one. Um, if I remember correctly, I had it as Giannis, Kawhi, Durant, James, and Curry. It's one through five. Um, Kawhi would probably be my number one if he wasn't playing 60 games. If he can play 60 games, can't put that away. But you can't, you know, this is the same argument about why I can never put LeBron above Michael Jordan. You can't. You can't go, you can't team up with the best team purposely. And, and Durant went to the team that beat him. And I, I but you know, I hope for the be. best, hold on, but you're, but you're asking for the best player today. You're not saying the best player of all time. You're asking for the best player in basketball today. That shouldn't take into account at all whether you joined a team or whether you didn't join a team. I think no, because it alleviates prevalent, right? I think it does because it alleviates the stress of what he has to do. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the he doesn't have to carry a team like Leonard does or, or Giannis does or Harder does for that matter. It was I agree with that. Luke, why did, so, why did, so why does so why does Curry get the pass? Then? I'm not comparing because it Curry to didn't join. Because I'm Curry not comparing. Didn't join the team. First of all, Curry didn't join the team. But you're asking. Curry was Curry was, on the, team, was on the team. on the team I'm not asking for all time though. I'm asking today. If you took if you, my my question is, you, and look, there, that may be your answer. I just don't think it's a valid one, in my opinion. Is you're taking Curry, and you're saying Curry on that team can be in the top five, but Durant. So. Durant can't be number one. In my name. Durant can't be number one. Either could James, either could Curry. Well, James could now because that Lakers team is bloody awful. But I have Durant number (laughs) two, number three. Let me ask you this. If LeBron wins the championship with the Lakers, even if other guys join him, does he have a stake to number one? Yeah, I can make the okay. argument a lot easier. I gotta with, tell with you, I, I think I've, I think I've just become the biggest Laker fan of all time. I just want that to happen. I just want Seth Gaiman to come on the show and say LeBron James has a pass to number one of all time. I love that. Oh, I'm, I'm, he could. It doesn't mean that's the decision I'll come to. It's not an automatic. Okay, Anthony yes or Davis, no. if, if if you're not going to be in. 
If you're not going to be a Knicks, please go be a Laker. Make this happen. Please make this. I don't think it'll. Even if he becomes a Laker, I don't think it'll happen. But no. you get it, Seth. It is six o'clock, so I'm not sure if you have to go or not. I'm just uh, throwing out the time. So it's up to you. I'm hanging until I'm not hanging anymore. Let's put it that way. Okay. So let's talk about uh, my JETS uh, just end the season before it even started. So let's. I am shocked that I did not get something from you. I am shocked that I did not get a text message or an email from you about this. I, I, about I'm, what? I'm floored that it, about Mike McGonnon getting fired. Floored. Who, about who getting not fired? Not even just from you. I, about the Jets GM getting fired. Oh. I figured we'd talk about it. I, I, I don't I, know, Jake. I figured we'd talk about it on the show. Um, congratulations. You're back to being the Jets. Well, I was just going to say, for about a week, we weren't the laughing stock of New York football. That was the Giants. But after one week, we needed to take the mantle back to being the absolute idiots of this sport in, the, in New York. You could not have picked a more disastrous way. Look, this happens a lot. GMs get fired after the draft. This happened in Buffalo last year where Brandon Dean got, got canned, got the job after Russell Brandon got fired. This happened in Carolina where David Gettleman got the job after the NFL draft. This does happen. But when it happens, you don't give the coach the GM spot. A coach that just came from a, from a team that was three games under 500 while he – was the coach and the GM or had personnel uh, issues. And then, of course, when he got the job for the Jets, some, one of the writers asked him point blank, why do you think this will be any better than it was in Miami? And his response, granted I am paraphrasing, but his response was, because I don't have control over the personnel. Holy Christ, Seth. Could there be any worse of a selection or any worse of a dumpster fire than is happening right now in East Rutherford, New Jersey, for the Jets to be having? We're not even in June yet. We're not even in training camp yet, and this is happening. And let me ask you this, Seth. Who's going to take this job? I'm not sure I would take the job. Okay, I guess uh, nobody's going to take the job. I guess that's not even answering my question. <laughs> you still there? My apologies. Okay. My daughter just started calling, so I'm going to go on a two-minute hold, Sean, okay? <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. So I'll tell you who can take the job. Morgan can take the job. Morgan can – we have many people at the gym that are saying that they would take the job. But I will tell you right now, there is no sane person in the NFL that should take this job. None whatsoever. Because at the end of the day, this is awful. What they did was awful. If they were going to fire Mike McGonnon, they should have done it. I don't have any problem with the timing of it. I don't have any problem with the absolute firing of it. But you don't fire the guy without a replacement. You don't fire the guy if the replacement is the coach. You don't fire the guy if the place replacement is the coach that was horrible with personnel. You don't fire the guy. Do I have to keep going on? You don't fire the guy for Adam Gates. That's basically what it comes down to. You can fire the guy all you want, but you don't fire the guy for Adam Gates. And then once you're done firing the guy, you don't leak. There shouldn't be any leaks that he didn't want Le'Veon Bell. I mean, come on, guys. This is awful. This is absolutely awful. And here I thought that the Nets were going to be the worst team in New York this week after the three-game losing streak versus yours and my Miami Marlins. Man, could it get any worse for this sports fan? Not really. I mean, it's pretty bad. Sorry about that. Oh, that's bad. That's all right. I was was just saying – 
do you know anybody in the NFL that should take this job? Yeah. Let me think about it. Who? Probably someone who <laughs> has failed at two other GM jobs, and this is the last gasp, similar to Frank Vogel in L.A., although he didn't fail in Orlando. Jerry Reed? Fail in Indiana. Jerry Reed? Jerry Reed should take this job. If Billy King did, NBA, did NFL, saying, he should take this job. I, I, I just don't see how this job is a successful one by any measure for any person coming in. You are basically a puppet of Adam Gates. That's the problem. I mean, you look at it, there is talent. Now the question is, are they actually going to consider trading Le'Veon Pell, which would be hysterical. But, Shaky, where are you going? Okay. So, but yeah, unless you are in a desperate position to get to be a GM, and the rest of it doesn't really matter, I don't think you can take the stuff. Although, I will, I will say, as a Giants fan, I will happily send you Dave Gettleman. The co- you won't have to take. You won't have to pay him traveling expenses. Yeah, I'm not really sure that's any better. I mean, what, no, re- no reaction to that. I think. It, oh no, I got. I, I said I don't think it's much better. I think. I mean, Peter King. <laughs> I think it was Peter King. That's why I'm. That's why I'm offering it to you. And again, yeah, but I'm only hearing again. I'm only hearing every other word. So I heard gentlemen and offer. So at the same time, gentlemen and offer are a bad combination. I said we will happily offer you Dave Gettleman, and you'll save on travel expenses, having him having to move. And I happily, and I happily decline. I'll take your coat. <laughs> I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to put. How about I do? How about we do this? I take Pat Shermer, and I make him my GM, and you can have Adam Gates. To go with David Gettleman, I like that a whole lot better. And Pat Shermer has never been a, a personnel guy, has no interest in being a personnel guy, and yet I'll still take him as the personnel guy over what I got today. That's that's what I'll do. That's my that's my offer to you. What do you think? Yes, yes. Oh, I, I will politely decline. <laughs> yeah. So basically. Basically, we're both getting exactly what we don't want at this point. But at the same time, it is what it is. And I just, I have a hard time seeing how the Jets are not the laughing stock of, look, there's no way they're trading Levy on that. There's no way. But it would be the greatest. Would it surprise me based? It wouldn't surprise me based on what they've done so far at all. Not one bit. Not one bit. But, yeah, I mean, here we I are. I did read that Le'Veon apparently did not want to go to the Jets. Which I guess can be reflected by the fact he hasn't shown up at, he hasn't shown up at, uh, at the OTAs. Well, that's, a, that's okay. Guess who else did show up at OTAs today? $50 million contract. Guess who else didn't show up at OTAs today? Who didn't? Antonio Brown. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. You see, when you just cave into the babies, and look, the Jets did the same thing, you're just waiting for it to happen, right? I mean, what, what, would, the, what would the Raiders and the Jets do? They can't do anything. They made their bed, and now they're going to lie in that same bed with whoever they have. And it's unfortunate, but that's exactly what's going to happen because they have nothing. They have nobody to blame but themselves with regards to this. Nobody. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Please do. Is this the roughest time that you've ever had as a sports fan? Is sports the roughest time? No. 
No, no, no. The roughest time that I've ever had in sports was the early 90s. No, it was the Brett Saberhagen years. So I got to figure out when that was. But Brett Saberhagen on the Mets. That was definitely the worst time. Okay, I'm going to figure this out. Saberhagen. Because you know what year I'm talking about, right? Where they were, the Mets were supposed to be so great, and they just weren't able to do anything. Was this 91, uh, okay. 92? It, it, yeah, it's in the 90s, right? I figure, 90, I figure 93. So 93 was probably the worst time. Because the Mets were putrid. The Jets were putrid. The Islanders were awful. And the Knicks... Was that Knicks the Knicks went to the Knicks? 94 was in 94. It was the finals in Went to the finals in 94. They lost to the Bulls in the conference finals in 93. Right. So, okay. So I think that would be the year that would be the most future, right? Right around that period. Because at that point, I was more of an Islanders fan than any other. And I was, I think. It's funny because as Wait I got older, I became more of a football fan. Wasn't 93 the David yeah. Bullock year? 92 was the David Bullock year. Because Pittsburgh so 93 won in 91 and 92. Because Edmonds right, won in 93. So I'm talking about the summer. I'm talking 93, 94, right? So I think that was probably – look, that whole decade was – between 94 and 2004 for Islander fans was all, after David Volokh was awful. The Mets were awful until what? 99. The Jets were awful because the Jets had, that was like Keyshawn Johnson territory. They were awful. Every single team in that was awful. So I think the late nineties were the worst time of year. And you know, the thing is too, this time, I, but because by that, in 93-94, Seth, I didn't have Syracuse. I didn't have Syracuse basketball. I didn't have Syracuse football. I wasn't a college fan. Now at least I have college sports. I also have the Knicks, the Knicks hopefully having a good summer. I have the Jets being the Jets, but whatever. But the Islanders coming off a very, very strong year. I can't say that I am... Look, this summer has been difficult. I'll tell you that flat out. But I think overall, I'm okay. I, I, I'm okay being a sports fan right now. I got, I got therapy stuff to look forward to, a lot of road trips ahead of me. But I don't think that this is the worst that it's ever been. Let me ask you the same question. When was the worst time that you were, for your team, a sports fan? Because the Yankees must have been the early 80s, but you had the Giants. And then in the late 90s, you had the Yankees, with Ray, or the early 90s, with Ray Hanley, you had, the, you had the Yankees. So when, I don't know of a time that all four of your sports teams that bad. 92. Because that the Yankees Ray were Hanley. brutal. Ray, the Giants were post-Parcel. The Devils were pre, not that I'm a huge Devil fan, but... The Devils were pre-Lemarillo. Yeah, Jason Kidd. The Nets in 92. Oh, no, that was 2002. Sorry. That's a decade before. 92 was who? For the Nets. <laughs> I apologize. I'm being yelled at by my son. What do you want to throw crayons on, Jake? Okay. And the, okay, probably maybe 93 even, because 93 would be after... Uh, the Kenny, the Petrovich death. Yep. So that, because that was the end of the next. Yeah. So that was probably the worst Drogen time. was June 6th, June yeah. 6th, 1993. Jakey's doing a on that's chant right now. It is kind of funny. Jakey, can you, can you yell, who are our favorite, who are our two favorite teams? Let's go. And who's the, who's the, do we love Maryland? Let's go. Let's go. Mar- no Maryland? 
No, no love for my Terps. No love. No love for the Terps. But the fact remains that you think it was 93 was your worst time, which is funny because my worst time was about that time as well. Um, I mean, look, at the same time, you've been very fortunate with winnings. Um, I have not. <laughs> so, by the way, 92 was also the year that uh, Richmond beat Syracuse in the, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So even though I wasn't a huge basketball fan, I do remember watching that game on a black and white TV. So, yeah, it was pretty bad. And even worse, I had to watch it on a black and white TV. But that's okay. That's okay. Hey, Seth, let's, let's end here, 45 minutes. I think this is a good stopping point for this week. Uh, if you have a, a final five-minute thing, um, head out for it, or I shall go first. You can go first. got to think about it for a sec. Okay, I will go first. So, it's been an interesting year just in general for sports. And one one thing that got shoved under the covers or shoved under the blanket this past couple of this past couple of weeks has been the death of Red Kelly. And who may you think Red Kelly is? Red Kelly was a former Toronto Maple Leaf who played for over 20 years in the NHL. Now, okay, he played for 20 years in the NHL. What makes this guy so special? Well, not only was he an all-star as a center, but he was also as a defenseman in the NHL when there were only eight teams. He won cups with both the Canadians and the Maple Leafs. Are you kidding? And then, of course, during his tenure as a Maple Leaf, he was a member of the Canadian Parliament. Because this happens outside of Manny Pacquiao, that you can have a guy for – I knew you'd – See, I got a laugh out of you. But the fact <laughs> is, you don't know of Red Kelly because he did things under the radar. A hockey Hall of Famer, like I said, played 20 years in the NHL and was a true citizen in every right. I'm not a huge Maple Leaf fan. You know I, I, I wish them ill will this year with the uh, signing of John Tavares. But the loss of Red Kelly was, was huge around both Maple Leafs and the NHL, and he will be missed. So uh, here's the red tail. Now, something that I talk about, I, I, I don't think I've ever actually mentioned on the show before, Norwegian soccer. I don't think it comes up in conversation too often, even for us. Is that true? Norwegian what? <laughs> The best soccer player in the world is a girl named Ada Hedeberg, who plays, who's from Norway, plays for Lyon in, in the Women's League. And she has decided never to play every for... single year. There's a, I find it interesting that every single year there's a new best player in the world. But, okay, continue on. So uh, well, she plays female. She's from Norway. Female. Okay, female. And, yep. she, and she, was, she has decided to not play in the Women's World Cup to protest the inequality in wages between the female and male and how the Norwegian soccer association is not taking, not taking appropriate steps. It's actually excluded from the team, which is funny because the team wouldn't have even made the world cup most likely without her. They were a top tier in the beginning of the women's world cup in the nineties, but have not been, this was their best chance to get back to relevancy. So, World Cup, Women's World Cup starts, I guess, in two and a half, three weeks. The U.S., I think, is a co-favorite. But it's just – it is amazing. Can you imagine Argentina playing without Messi or Portugal playing without Ronaldo? I'd say the U.S. playing without someone, but the U.S. Well, anyway, um, you know, she was voted one of the 100 most influential people by time, and she still doesn't play for Norway because, to protest because she thinks it's more important than playing for the World Cup. Good for her, and I wish her the best of luck with her and that with her endeavors with it. So I'm being yelled at right. to go Perseth, something. For Seth Gamers, this is Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio, back Next week, I host, I host Sorry for the 50-minute cast. 
uh, next week in the car. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.